You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 229. The biggest thing for me was probably giving up control of everything. I really felt like I could do each job better than anyone else could. So that was the hardest thing for me to overcome was seeing that there's actually other people out there. That's their job and they're only focused on that. They really do a better job than even I was doing because I was trying to do every single job at once. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. Hi, this is Todd Toback, and welcome to this special edition of the Next Level Wholesaling Podcast. I've got a special guest today, Matt Vukovic from Indiana. Real, real, real special wholesaler, special person. He's got a great story. And today's episode is going to blow your socks off. He's going to tell your story, basically starting from nothing, broken through major adversity, doing this business as a one-man show, and now starting to grow his business and scale it so that he can remove himself, increase his profits, increase his free time, impact other people, and really, really have true freedom and hopefully give you enough value so that you can do the same. And that's what this business is all about, right? It's a tool. It's a platform. It's a machine that can enable you to do the things that you want to do, right? Wholesaling, real estate is just the vehicle. So I'm real excited to have today's guest, Matt Vukovic. How's it going, Matt? Hey, Todd. Going great. Thanks for having me. So Matt, I won't delay us here really quick. Tell us your story, right? Tell us why you got into wholesaling, your background, maybe about your background into that first deal. Oh, absolutely, Todd. Happy to share a little bit uh, about myself. So I was born and raised in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, moved to northern Indiana, uh, where I'm at right now, Elkhart, St. Joseph County area uh, by South Bend. Um, When I was younger, about 10 years old, so grew up there, great family life growing up. But in high school and college, I got involved uh, in some of the wrong things, made a lot of bad choices, um, got involved uh, pretty heavily into drugs and some crime and uh, ended up spending about three years total in prison from that. Uh, and I actually just uh, got out in January of 2017 last year and wasn't sure what to do. I mean, I had a criminal record, history, wasn't sure what kind of business I wanted to do or job. So I started working in a local uh, factory. RV factories are pretty big here. Um, So I was working full-time about 50 to 60 hours a week. I mean, I heard about wholesaling. Uh, I started reading uh, some books, listening to the Wholesaling podcast, just really got my gears turning on what was possible there. So I went out, uh, hand wrote about 100 bandit signs, went and stuck them up uh, around town, spent about seven hours uh, doing that. Got a couple calls in, uh, went to an appointment and ended up not being a deal. But while I was out there, I drove the whole area looking for vacant uh, houses, abandoned houses, typed up some letters on my computer, did another mailing. Um, and that ended up being uh, where my very first deal came from. Uh, and it's been pretty much off to the races since then. So I met you, I would say probably around eight months ago. I remember you donated to uh, my wife's 
uh, missions trip, by the way. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And we got to meet, uh, actually, it was at the Wholesaling Inc. conference. And I remember you being, you're, you're doing tons of deals, by the way, right? Making it happen, little overwhelmed. So tell us a little bit about kind of the journey from doing that first deal to to then growing that business as a one to two man show. Kind of, you know, take us through both the the, the revenue that you were generating and and also maybe some of those frustrations, the, the pain points that maybe some of the listeners are facing now. Yeah, no, absolutely. So when I first started out, you know, I was really motivated, enticed by the opportunity to have my own business, just make a ton of money and just work really hard. So I really enjoyed doing that. And for the first year, went really well, did a lot of deals, made a lot of money. But the more I you know, received financially, I just realized that that wasn't what I really wanted out of life. Uh, and I felt God was calling me to go into ministry, into prison ministry where I came from. So I started to look at my business actually as a business. And I realized I was sitting in every seat. I was doing everything. I was overwhelmed. I was working in the factory from four in the morning to two in the afternoon, waking up before that to go through Podio and get emails sent out, staying up all night after work, making calls. Um, And I realized I needed my business to serve myself if I was going to be able to go into ministry. So I wanted to start looking at how to hire people, what a team looked like, and just kind of learn more about how to get involved in that. Okay, so now you're there, right? You're you're working bo- both your job and you're working your wholesaling business, right? You've got money coming in. At what point do you, I'm assuming that you're not at the factory anymore? Is that correct? Right. No, I, I left the factory about a couple months after I started wholesaling. I did that first deal. Um, we did a few deals that first month, and then pretty consistently four or five deals. Um, we closed out the year probably around forty. 40 wholesale deals. This year we're on pace for over a hundred wholesale deals. So I left the factory uh, last last summer. Okay. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what made you decide to hire someone, right? So, you know, you talked a little bit about your background story. Did you have any fears around hiring anybody? You know, were there any like mental blocks or was it like, hey, I want to go into ministry and, and this is how I have to do it? No, good question. I mean, there were definitely a lot of mental blocks. The biggest thing for me was probably giving up control of everything. I really felt like I could do each job better than anyone else could. So that was the hardest thing for me to overcome was seeing that there's actually other people out there. That's their job and they're only focused on that. They really do a better job than even I was doing because I was trying to do every single job at once. But yeah, and I was also, you know, somewhat paranoid from where I came from in my background Um, As far as sharing my story, I didn't want people to judge me, my customers, my employees. So I was kind of worried about being able to hire people given my past situation. So by the way, that's awesome. I mean, this is like really, really good content. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about you're you're now in a next level wholesaling student, really enjoying having you, you know, awesome attitude, hard worker. I mean, you know, you're like a dream client you know, being in here. Tell us a little bit about maybe some of your your three biggest takeaways and three biggest wins from the program that you've seen in your business, or maybe, you know, any other wins that you could share, even if you learn them outside next level wholesaling. Um, I would say the, the three biggest things for me, number one was with my title company. So I'd been using the same title company for Ever since I got started, I mean, they were really with me from the beginning. So I kind of felt some loyalty to them. But um, as the deals mounted up and we had 10, 15, 20, 25 deals in escrow, 
at one time on a regular basis, I had to do everything from calling the buyers and sellers, getting authorization forms, negotiating payoffs. I mean, it was just an entire another job. And I know in the program, uh, one of the modules talk about the expectations for your title company and what they should be. Uh, and just hearing from some of the other people's experience with their title company and switching, I realized this is something I really need to do. So I went and canvassed the area. And we only have like four title companies probably in our area. So I interviewed all of them, brought the expectations of what I wanted. And there was one title company that said, this is this is exactly what we do. No problem. If you don't want to hear from us from the time you turn in the contract till we send you the check, that's what we're going to do for you. So... Number one, that's been the biggest thing of the three. That's awesome. So I, I think I think we also remember we we had breakfast uh, and you talked about that last one. And I think it was, and I could be wrong. Was this the one that's not even in your area? They they actually have offices. Um, they've got a couple local ones, and they have other offices uh, all around Indiana as well. That is awesome. And I can tell you that's probably you know one of the things is we had one full time person, Matt, right, in our company, and that's they were just dealing with like payoffs and and authorizations and tax liens. And then one day we had to let go of that person, unfortunately. And I called up my title company. We're like, hey, we really need you to pick up the slack here. And my old title company like did it for a week. And all of a sudden we realized that we actually didn't need that person. And through through kind of a twist of events, our old title company faded on us, right? And all of a sudden we found this new one who did even more than that. And so that was a huge game changer. Sometimes we think that we have to add all of these people. Uh, and, and by the way, I'm a big fan of having team members, but uh, it's not as many as you think to get this thing fully automated. So we talked a couple about a, a couple other strategies before we hopped on. Tell us a little bit about this retail deal that you just did. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was going to be my number two. MLS putting stuff on the on the retail market. So I adjusted my contract and all it says is seller gives buyer permission to put property on the multiple listing service. That's it. Uh, run it by your attorney. I spoke with mine. Uh, he said that was completely fine. Uh, talked to a local agent and their brokerage and they were all right as long as we uh, listed it properly. So we've been, we're getting ready to put our third and fourth wholesale deals on the MLS right now which is very exciting. I had one deal. It was a relatively high dollar house. The amount they owed on the mortgage was probably about what a cash buyer would would pay. So this is a deal I normally would have passed on, but we put it under contract, threw it up on the MLS, and it sold within 30 minutes at asking about 20000 over what I had it under contract for. So after taking out realtors, fees, commissions, um, and everything, I'll, I'll walk away with around 10000 on a deal that would have just been passed on otherwise. So I want to be clear, this is different than actually selling to a cash buyer. You sold this to a retail buyer, is that correct? Originally, the plan was, I don't know how deep we want to go into this, but uh, as far as the net proceeds agreement was to sell it to a conventional buyer and then go back to the seller, do a net proceeds agreement. And that way, even though it's being sold to someone with a loan, I would still profit. So that was the original plan to do, but we ended up actually getting an all-cash offer. So it, it worked out even better. So the, the MLS flushed out a buyer that wasn't even there, that you didn't even know that was there. Right. Yes. Awesome. So you've got now two or three, which is, which is killer. And by the way, I think, you know, for us, thank you for sharing Matt. by the way, you know, sometimes we think that we have to make these huge shifts in our business, right? We're like, oh, I've got to hire 20 people and, you know, I'm going to go to 20 markets and I'm going to you know, add this new marketing channel. And it seems like, you know, with a couple little tweaks, 
you know, you can add 10, 20, $30,000 to your profit pretty easy. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it looks like that's what you've done here. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's, it's been phenomenal. I mean, the, just those two things alone have saved me so much time and money beyond anything uh, that the course costs. And I, I think the third thing for me is just uh, the relationships and the people. I mean, my accountability partner and someone who's became a really good friend of mine, um, Zach Booth, who's in the, in the program as well. But just building relationships with people and just being surrounded by a great inner circle of people who are out there killing it. I was list, I was reading a book um, and it said, the, and actually it was on a podcast, but it was talking about what great people do with their inner circles is they're always looking to outgrow their inner circle and f- expand it to other people because you can never exceed further than your inner circle. So the great people are always trying to find new people who are doing bigger and better things in whatever aspect of life, spirituality, business, personal, and add those people to their inner circle to encourage them to grow. What podcast is that, by the way? I'd love to link to that if you know it offhand. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a Go-Giver podcast. So I know when I when I first started in real estate, I listened to tons and tons of podcasts on real estate and, and books on real estate. And it was all awesome, but I, I felt like I got information overload. And over the last few months, I know this sounds cliche, but I've just really focused on learning and knowledge from one area. For me, this is next level. For someone else, it could be anything and cut out everything else. So I listened to the Go-Giver podcast and it is just phenomenal. The The stuff they have on there that can apply to everything. I think one of my favorite quotes that I heard today is greatness is the transition from success to significance. So it, it's just moving past what you achieve and what you can be financially and doing something that makes a significant impact in the world. That's what greatness is really about. That's really great, Matt. You know, that's one thing I can tell you is that I'm definitely reducing the amount of information that I take in. Ironically, this is a podcast. <laughs> I, I've committed to follow one expert, one mentor in each core area of my life. Uh, and that's given me a lot less overwhelm and a lot more focus. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So I want to keep this short and to the point. Uh, any other uh uh, tips or tricks or advice, anyone who's kind of, you know, they're successful, they're doing deals, they're feeling overwhelmed. What is the one piece of advice that you would give that person to let go and maybe expand? No, absolutely. I mean, one great piece of advice I got from a phone call last week was to take a notebook around with me and write down everything that I was doing. And when I started to do that, it made me realize all the little things that were taking up my time and energy that I don't even think about. So I would say take, spend a day or a week and just write down all the different things you're doing in your business and then find out how you can delegate those to someone else. So what I do personally every day is I have a voice recorder on my phone. So every time something comes up, I need to do something, I'll record a memo. And then the next morning I'll sit down, I'll listen to all my voice memos and I'll say, okay, so this can be, I'll send this over to Marion. Um, she's my marketing manager, or this will be for Lizzie. She's my lead manager. Or this is going to be for Janet. I need her to make calls to this, these places. So it's just taking those tasks and delegating them to other people. And I, and I think you gave me this advice actually, Todd, but if you don't have anybody at all, employees, find the top couple things that you absolutely hate doing that drain your time and energy, and then hire someone to do those. That's awesome advice. Awesome. The, the notebook idea is great. I don't, I don't actually do that. I think, you know, I've got things delegated pretty well, but I still still do stuff that I need to delegate. So that's awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, definitely quite a shock when you start writing some things down and realize how small they are. But you know, you're 
you can only make so many decisions on a daily basis. So as many of those little minuscule decisions that you can cut out allows you to focus on the on the bigger issues. Awesome, Matt. Well, thank you so much. I thought this was a great episode. Thought you gave a ton of value. I really appreciate you sharing your story. And just thank you so much for your contribution to the podcast. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Todd. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. If you want more time, more freedom, and you want to explode your wholesaling business, then head on over to wholesalinginc.com forward slash next level. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at InvestorGrit.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.